Today I'm reading and preaching from Psalm 67. Normally have a meditation on our Psalm of the Month, but this month expanding that and preaching from Psalm 67. Listen as I read God's Word. To the chief musician on stringed instruments, a psalm, a song. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. It's the Selah in there. Call your attention to that. Cause his face to shine upon us. Selah. That your way may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. Let the nations praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. Imagine, if you would, the great crowd of believers in heaven that are gathered around God's presence to worship him. You looked to your left and to your right and behind you, and you will find people from all the nations around the world. You'll find people from New Zealand, from Ghana, from Cameroon, from Nigeria, from China, from Canada, from Ireland, and on and on and on. Psalm 67 tells of such a scene, such a glorious scene. God gathering people from every race and language and tribe and tongue to worship him forever and ever. Well, that means that it envisions the gospel reaching the ends of the earth. It envisions that the Lord is even now at work gathering together that great company that he has known from before the foundation of the world. It leads us to be praying even as this psalm does, that God would bless us, that God would gather together the nations of the world to praise and worship him. In fact, it is, as John Piper has said, the goal of missions. The goal of missions is the gladness of the people and the greatness of God. In missions, we simply aim to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God. Piper has a great turn of phrase there, doesn't he? To draw people from around the world into the white-hot enjoyment of God. Well, we have work to do then, don't we? We have the work of the gospel in our own lives, in our surroundings, to the ends of the earth. And this the start of that work is to pray that God would be saving sinners. So today we'll be looking at Psalm 67 and seeing the prayer for God's glory 
that is through the work of evangelism and missions. We'll begin a gospel prayer for the people of God. Listen to the way David opens this psalm. God, be merciful to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us. Now, that idea of God's face shining upon us is a wonderful phrase, isn't it? Oftentimes when we think about our own lives and we think about how this last week has gone, you might be inclined to say, God, my sins rise before me every day. They accuse me. And I imagine that instead of you looking at me with joy and love, my sins make me think of you as turning your back on me or looking at me with disapproval or looking at me with anger or perhaps with disappointment. You thought of God in this way? Well, in this psalm, we pray for the gospel, for the grace of God to be at work in us so that we would know that our sins are forgiven. And that's what's happening here in this opening prayer. David is echoing one of the blessings that God has, has given to the church in every age. The blessing that you sometimes hear me use at the end of the service as part of the benediction. I'll use it today so, kids, you might be listening for these words that I'll say later. And remember that it is what God has given to the church the benediction, I raise my hands, not because I am, am the one dispensing the blessing. I'm standing as God's representative and asking that the Lord would do this. The Lord bless you and keep you. The, the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Countenance there is the face of God, shining with joy and with love. And that's what David prays for. And it's interesting that David, as the representative of the nation of Israel, prays for this for the people of God, echoing that blessing which God had said, pronounce over the people of God. And it's interesting because as the people of God, they are in one sense already recipients of that. Why would we continue to pray for it? Well, it's because the people of God are always depending upon God's grace. In this life, you will never reach a point that you do not need God's grace. You will always need it. The promise of God is that you will always have it. As you believe in Jesus Christ, you are now a child of God. That's what's so beautiful about the benediction. That's what's so beautiful about the baptism in the name of God. We are being marked by him as one's receiving grace. He has promised it. He has covenanted it. You receive it. 
So in this psalm, there's a gospel prayer for us, the people of God, that the Lord would show mercy to us, that he would communicate his grace to us. And it is very appropriate that we would always be praying for that, day in and day out, and that it would be part of the life blood of a congregation's expression of worship. It is special today in the sacrament of baptism. We note it in the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. It is part of our worship. There's this declaration of what God has done for us. When we come before him and we, we confess our sins to him, individually and as a people, and we hear the promise, yes, I do forgive your sins in Jesus Christ. And that benediction kind of wraps it all up. We pray for that. Before I pass on to the next, I want you to also notice that David prays for his own context. He prays for the Jewish people. I want to just give a quick encouragement for you to be continuing to pray for the Jewish people. Remember that not all Israel is Israel. And remember, as Paul has told us, that because of their rejection of Jesus Christ, that the Lord has for a time cut off the Jewish people and has grafted in the Gentiles. We now are recipients of that grace and are a fruitful branch for a purpose that the Jews might be made jealous and that in time the Lord would come back to those promises that he has made to his covenant people that ancient people, the Jews, would draw them back into relationship. Not as some people mistakenly make it out to be, as a reestablishment of the nation of Israel with Jesus as an earthly king, and, and unthinkably the beginning again of earthly sacrifices. No, no, those have all been accomplished in Jesus Christ. What the promise is, is that the there would be a great awakening among the Jews to recognize Jesus as the Messiah, to come to faith in him. That's why Paul would say in Romans 11, Brethren, I do desire that you would not be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, all there being the complete number of the elect. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Here Paul picks up those Old Testament promises about those specific promises to those descending from Abraham. This special ancient people of God still play a role in God's purpose. And it is a role that has motivated the church in other ages. And I believe should motivate the church today to continue to pray for the children of Israel. 
and motivate us in mighty ways in evangelism to them, to us, and then to the nations around us. Which is the second prayer, the second gospel prayer that David brings to us. Verses 2 through 4, David prays a gospel prayer for the nations. Let me just comment that it's interesting to see such a heart for evangelism in the Old Testament. I've already commented that in, in his context that David knew very well that the Lord was, was concentrating his covenant blessings, the gospel blessings, through the seed of Abraham. But that never meant that they were the only ones that God would bless. Going back to the promise given to Abraham, which we have heard today in the context of baptism, God said, I will be a God to you and to your children after you, and in you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. All the nations will be blessed. It has always been the vision of God that the nations would be glad in him. And so David prays, for this covenant promise. He understood that in Abraham's descendants, referring to Jesus, that in Jesus all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And so he sang about this. He prayed for it, that your way may be known on the earth, that your salvation would be seen among all nations. And he goes on and earnestly prays for this covenant promise. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. David realized that it was too small a thing for God to be glorified just among the Jews. It's the way the prophet Isaiah described it. God's glory extends to all peoples. Here I want you to be aware of the language that David uses. When he uses that word peoples, he has something very specific in mind. You might hear it and think of it as as indistinct. But in the Hebrew language, when there was a reference to the peoples, It had in mind those who were other than the Jewish nation. So here David is praying for all of those who were not of that chosen people. The nations and the world around. We might even say all the people groups around the world. This is David's point. It is a covenant promise. A gospel promise that extends to the nations around us. He even says that they come to know his ways, that they come to submit to him as the righteous judge, as the governor of the nations of the earth. Here it has in mind the coming of Jesus Christ, who would be savior and judge 
and an exalted Lord who is ruling over all things for the purpose of the church. I think of, uh, of, of Paul in Ephesians chapter 1 saying that Jesus has been given this designation, that he is head over all things for the church. And as he goes on, he, he describes how the Lord is drawing together both Jew and Gentile, male and female, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free, all receiving grace through faith in Jesus Christ. As verse 1 did, this, uh, this uh, paragraph, this stanza closes with the word sila inviting us to pause and meditate on these things. In the first verse, you can first verse, you can pause and meditate on the grace that you have received. How the Lord has been merciful to you, how his faithfulness and his love and his forgiveness are new every morning. You can pray that God would be merciful to you and make his face shine upon you. And pray for the church in this way, the people of God. And pray for the Jews. And in this stanza, pause and reflect, pause and meditate. Consider the glorious gospel purpose of God to save a great company of men and women and children from around the world. See the gospel promises that God gave to David and Abraham and to us. In fact, we see them even more clearly as Jesus has come and he has commissioned the church to go and to make disciples. It's beginning in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. As God's gracious purpose, the gospel would be drawing men to him so that the peoples would praise him. Thirdly, a gospel prayer for God's glory. David closes the psalm with worship and praise of God's people. He begins by mentioning the nations of the world. Let the peoples praise you. There's that phrase again. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the people praise you. And then he mentions specifically the Jews again. God, our own God, shall bless us. And then expands it once more to close, God shall bless us, and all of the ends of the earth shall fear him. What David is doing here is giving us a glimpse as the prophet of God to see the extent of the gospel around the world. Not only is it a prayer that this would happen, but it is part of God's promise that it would. God shall bless us. And all of the ends of the earth shall fear him. There is an upward and an outward emphasis in this, in this declaration. There is upward in that we join together to worship God. That's why he has saved us. We join together to worship God. And, and based on those promises, our orientation is to worship him. This is what God made us for, isn't it? Which then purposefully turns our attention to that outward focus. 
For not only has God saved us so that we might enjoy the forgiveness of our sins, but he has saved us so that we might testify to the watching world that there is a Savior from sin. This is what missions is about. Going back to the way Piper phrases it, missions exist to bring the nations into the white-hot enjoyment of God. You can hear that in the way in which David casts the prayer for mercy that he has in verse 1. Lord, bless us. Lord, show us mercy. Cause your face to shine upon us. There's a pause there that we might reflect on the goodness of what God has done to us. But the next phrase is a purpose clause. Bless us that your way may be known on earth. That the nations may come to know you. That they might praise you. You see, the Lord has loved us and saved us and then sent us. He has set us as a light to the world. We've heard that in 1 Peter, haven't we? He has set us as a light to the world so that they might know the glories of God. There's a purpose in that salvation. It helps you understand this phrase in the last verse, in in, uh, verse 7, that describes the physical blessings that we receive. Then the earth shall yield her increase. When you hear increase and the blessings of God, maybe you gravitate towards the spiritual blessings that we receive. We're forgiven. We have salvation. We have an inheritance in heaven that no one can take away. Those are true. That's part of the blessings that are mentioned. But there is a sense in which this also refers to physical blessings. And I say this with a lot of care here because... People can take hold of the physical blessings and make the gospel out to be only about health, wealth, and prosperity. And they orient themselves to those physical blessings in a way that comes across really in a very selfish way. But it misses this purpose statement that's going on here. That the Lord blesses us so that there would be an indication of God's work going on. The rest of the Bible helps you understand that not everybody is healthy, wealthy, and prosperous. There are many and have been many that have suffered a great deal, a great deal of poverty and persecution. And yet even in their affliction, they know the blessings of God. We know it's not just a health-wealth message, but In some sense, in following after God, there are blessings. We thank God for them, not out of our own selfish interests, but because they are part of bringing glory to God, to his own people. 
John Calvin puts it this way, that every benefit which God bestowed upon his, his ancient people, and by inference to us, was, as it were, a light held out before the eyes of the world to attract the attention of the nations to him. Pause and reflect. The Lord has been good to us, has he not? The Lord has been good to us. And we should reflect the glory of God. That this is because he has made his face shine on us. Not because we are deserving, but we are a people who have received grace. We are people who have been forgiven. So we can call attention to, to the way in which we respond to affliction as a demonstration that we have received grace. The way you receive physical blessings should also point to the fact that you are a people of grace, that the Lord's blessings are there. Here, in the context today, Colton's baptism, let me reflect on that indication of God's mercy and grace as well. A baptism shows that there is a kingdom of Christ to which we belong. There's a kingdom that, uh, that, that the Lord has called us into. And one of the blessings that comes from God's hand is the blessing of of, of Christian marriages and children given to those, those marriages. And it is a glorious thing to recognize that there is a God-honoring gospel purpose to our marriages, to God's giving children, and to the raising of them. We pray for that. It is part of the gospel prayer that God would be glorified in our marriages, our children. And that means that if you, even if you are not married or if you do not have children, that you can join together today in rejoicing and praising God for these things and praying for them, praying for more marriages, praying for more covenant children. They might glorify God in heaven. Well, this psalm leads us to pray for the gospel to advance, to pray that the Lord would bring us and others into his kingdom of grace and to keep us by his faithful love. It's a prayer that implies gospel work, the work of evangelism, of preaching, of church planting, of personally sharing your testimony with others, of meeting with non-believers to study the Bible of sharing your testimony with them. All of these things are, are the means of putting into practice the work of evangelism. And we do have much work to do. For even now, God is gathering together that great multitude of people from every race and language and tribe and tongue. We have work to do. 
And the first step is to pray, to pray for it, to pray directly and earnestly and in a persevering way. God would be saving sinners. He would save us and show us grace every day. He would save our children, drawing them to faith. He would save those in the nearness around us and that he would be saving the nations. Oh, let the nations be glad. Let's pray. God, we pray boldly for these things because they are part of your covenant promises. We know, O oh Lord, that it is your purpose to be gathering together people from around the world with great hope and joy. We pray for that. Lord, it brings you great glory to save sinners. It would have been just for you to leave all in their unrighteousness and to judge us each one. But you have shown us mercy. And Lord, as we have received mercy, I pray that you would, would, uh, would help us to eagerly share that with others. We would tell them that we have been forgiven by Jesus and that that explains the way in which we live that it explains our marriages, our children, the way in which we relate to, uh, to affliction and to prosperity. Lord, in all of these things, we have received grace. So we praise you. We give glory to you, even as this psalm says. Let the nations praise you. We are glad in you. You have gathered us from around the world to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This is our Psalm of the Month, Psalm 67C. Let's stand and sing it together. <laughs> 